Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for a hundred 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities. IberiaBank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp, Resource Management LLC, Fidelity Bank, and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. New Orleans is a great city for lots of things. Typically, we think of our special attributes being centered around food and music. There's another feature that's been part of our city since it was founded and that we've recently become pretty aware of. New Orleans is flat. That might seem obvious and irrelevant, but not if you ride a bike, and especially if you ride a bike towing 600 pounds of trailer behind you. To put that into perspective, a piano weighs about 300 pounds. Nobody would or even could tow that much behind them on a bike, could they? Well, the answer is yes. That person is Tim Colglazer, co-founder and operator of a moving company whose name says it all, Move It By Bike. Tim, welcome down to lunch. Oh, thank you. Now, Tim doesn't have the only bike-centric business in town. Wes McWhorter designs and builds bikes. Wes has spent 30 years in competitive cycling and 15 years designing and creating a range of cycles under the name Roulet, R-O-U-L-E-R. Wes, lassez le bon ton Roulet, welcome to lunch. Oh, merci. (laughs) Now, Tim, you're on a bicycle hitched up behind a giant flatbed trailer. It's big enough to put a car on. The trailer is piled high with carefully loaded household items that you're towing across town. I assume the benefit for the person moving is that you're cheaper than four guys in a truck. But other than having the strongest legs in New Orleans, (laughs) what gave you the idea to start this business? I didn't have a car at the time, and I was living in the, the French Quarter, and the building I was living in got sold. And the new owner wanted to gut it out, rebuild it, and make it into condos. Uh, you know, typical what they're doing right right now. So anyway, I was out. I had 30 days to find a new place and move. And I thought, well, I'll just do this by bike. And I had a, uh, one of those little kid trailers, you know, that you see. And I tried to move everything with that, and I, that wasn't working. So <laughs> Many trips. <laughs> yeah, so I got online, and uh, I found these trailers that these guys build in um, Ames, Iowa. Well, they're built in such a way that you can put them together with a wrench and they come in pieces delivered UPS Mm -hmm. and so like in an afternoon you can take these two boxes that they come in and put these great big trailers together and now you you got a big trailer that you can haul your bed your couch you know whatever you want with it so that's what I did I ordered one of these got it in in time to put it together to move my stuff to my new place and while I was doing that, I got stopped so many times by people saying, what is this? What are you doing? Can you move me? I need to move sometime. I'm moving all the time. Can... So I thought, hmm, maybe I got something here. And that's how it was born, basically. But Tim, what are the yeah. physics behind what we're talking about? It looks ridiculously hard. It's gearing. 
gearing. Yeah, if you can climb up a steep mountain on a mountain bike, that's about the same thing as pulling a heavy trailer on a flat surface. So you just gear way down to a very, very low gear, pedal like crazy, but you move. And you've got a good business now. I saw your website. Yeah. It's, it's quite good. And you've got yeah. dates booked all over the place. I mean, how do people yeah. find out about you? Uh, I advertise on Craigslist. Um, a lot of it's word of mouth. A lot of it is just seeing us going down the road with our mm. big banner on the side of our trailers, you know, and people going, what is that, you know? Now, how many guys do you work with? Well, all the people who work with me are independent contractors. Okay. Because I really don't have uh, enough steady employment to become an employer. I can see this being a greener alternative to, mm-hmm. to what are the other advantages you have? We're small. I mean, physically small. So, like in the quarter... We can get up on the sidewalk and park and load our trailers and not be in the way of anybody except, you know, people walking and they can just walk around us. Usually the sidewalk's wide enough that they can walk around us. So that's one thing. Another thing is that um, we're good at tight spaces. You know, we've, we've lifted things or lowered things over balconies, lifted things up two balconies, um, narrow stairways, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Is is our our cup of tea? So you know we we do that. Now, Wes, you have a background in design, uh, and you're a competitive cyclist. And I can see that you might have some great ideas for improving bike design and performance. But starting from scratch, designing, fabricating, and building your own bike, and a range of bikes, is really a major leap financially and, of course, practically. Uh, there are a lot of parts to a bike when you break it down into nuts and bolts. Uh, do you buy pieces from other manufacturers, like the frame and the pedals, or do you design and manufacture all the pieces? So, um, you're right about that. It, it's a, a, a very simple machine, but uh, made up of, you know, probably 1,200 uh, individual wow. components, <laughs> you know, down to like little nuts that go in to hold your water bottle cages on and things like that. Um, and so, what, what we've done is uh, actually partner with uh, some, some manufacturers um, in, in, in other places um, to help uh, you know, develop those component parts. Uh, of course, there's companies out there that make tires and shifters and wheels and handlebars and all that, all that kind of thing. So, my focus primarily is on my riders um, and consulting with them the type of riding that they want to do, um, the type of budget that they have, and then uh, and then making sure that the ultimate bike that that we you know help them craft uh, ladders up to that in a way that that's just going to give them a greater enjoyment of, of going out and, and riding like ultimately that's our goal is people riding on bikes you know so. now we as a as a competitive cyclist did you find things that you weren't happy with that you wanted to make in your own bike um where the the bicycle manufacturing industry is is concerned there's always innovation happening right and it's happening on like the the major corporate you know uh, international level, right? Uh, these these big companies, um, you know, uh, coming up with these innovations on a daily basis. Uh, some of those are um, good; they have they have benefit uh, to to the overall like mechanics and and functionality of the machine. Um, but a lot of them are marketing tactics to get people to buy new stuff, you know, every year. Um, and as a as a mechanic, you know, somebody that also works on bikes. Um, that can be pretty frustrating because literally year after year, you may have to go out and buy a new tool to work on a, a new bottom bracket or a new pedal system or a new crank or a new brake set or something like that. Um, and so the mechanics are constantly like having to keep up with, with these innovations. Uh, from an engineering standpoint, they're, uh, they're very fun uh, you know, objects to, to play with and, and to understand. 
Um, but you know, you ask any any bike shop owner, um, and they will they will tell you that that you know the bike the bike actual bicycle category for them is is pretty uh, slim margins and a whole lot of sweat trying to just move a single bike out of a shop. And what do you think has uh, led to the uh, well that, that the big pickup in bike enthusiasm? Mm-hmm. Uh, all kinds of ends, you know, just the commuting bike and the racing. What what is it? Sure. Well, I, I will say that that um, certainly in the late 90s early 2000s uh there was a a big rise in um individuals actually buying competitive racing licenses a lot of that had to do with the fact that um there was this certain cyclist from texas who uh not only had great success in the tour de france uh but also parlayed that into um a great deal of celebrity Um, Uh, is this the part where we guess the name well (laughs) i i don't don't, who was lance armstrong yeah that's right okay ding 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 (laughs) yeah exactly so uh i think along with that um, I mean, he was a marketing machine for Nike and for Trek and, and for a, a number of other cycling brands that um, Oakley sunglasses um, and and so people really uh, sort of gravitated to his personality. It was exciting to see an American win the tour. I think that sort of kicked off the um, the more recent uh, resurgence in cycling participation. Um, but but frankly, it's it's a great way to you know get around, especially in a city like ours. I I commute uh, every day on a bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, my wife and I share a car, but, but I do ride my bike as much as I possibly can, not just for competitive purposes, but also just for very practical uh, day-to-day purposes, too. Good example of that. Tim, you, you drove here to the show, right? Mm-hmm. I rode you here. Rode yeah. here, rode yeah. here. That's the correct word. <laughs> yes, they, uh, they, yeah. uh, I used my two pistons right here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, Tim, what were you, this is a natural question. What were you doing before this? Uh, well, I, I'm delivering... Uh, Pizzas on a bicycle for Domino's. So you're, so you're always in the bike uh, delivery I, I, Yeah, my seat is mostly on the seat of a bicycle. Yeah. Wow. That, and it, but you, both of you guys, are you from here? I'm not from here. I moved here in 2006. And where was home? Uh, home was Texas, but that was in 95 I left Texas, and I wound up in New Orleans by a very circuitous route, you know, so it took me about... You know, just about 10 years to get here, but, you know. Wow, I'm glad you're right. Once heard Steve Earle say that Texas is a good place to be from. That's so there's uh, exactly. <laughs> Especially <laughs> my hometown. Yeah. Tim, uh, were you uh, from somewhere before the French Quarter and all that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I moved here from Texas, so, but I wasn't originally wow, look, from we're, Texas. We're but, winning that battle. This mm, is yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I came in from... Um, Brownsville, Texas, which might as well be Mexico. I was going to yeah. say, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I taught science there. No but, way. Yeah. But I, uh, I uh, kind of fell in love with uh, New Orleans and a girl that happened to live here. Isn't that how now most the, of us got here? Yeah. Right? And, and now the girl's gone, but now I'm still in love with <laughs> New Orleans. <laughs> so. But darn it, you kept the bike. And that's really what's important. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> hey, I've got a question for Wes. These... The bikes, I know they're going to range, but how expensive is one, are one of these bikes? Oh, wow. I mean, you could get, uh, I mean, for a Roulette bike in particular. I'm just, I mean, I'm just trying to get a ballpark. Yeah, up. so, I mean, you know, you can get an entry-level uh, competitive uh, bike for, I mean, these days, 1250 bucks, something like that. Uh, and, I mean, the sky's the limit from there. So, so you've seen bikes as expensive as... 120,000. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, there are, there are, uh, on, on an annual basis, um, bikes that are, that are very special, uh, releases from just about every major manufacturing mm-hmm. company, uh, that, that easily top $25,000, you know, um, 
and they're either limited release or you know some special collaboration with uh, I mean um, Specialized has done collaborations with McLaren before um, which is I mean they're beautiful wow. machines you know but there's only so many people that can, uh, you know, really afford those kinds of well, things. I have so. to be honest. My last bike had a banana seat, so I'm going to ask yeah. you a question. I need, need a little help. If I was buying a bike, is there one of two things you should look for? Well, first of all, I would say that that um, if you were to go into a, a, a typical um, local bike shop, it, it, you would really want to. Um, see how you're treated once you walk in there, right? So if you're engaged in a way that's that's uh, really um, seeking to either educate you as a consumer or not, I will say this, certainly not alienate you as a consumer. I mean, I think that a lot of people go into bike shops and, and there's a certain amount of uh, disorientation uh, that, that occurs um, because they're machines that not everybody understands how they work you know um, and a lot of times uh, at least you know the anecdotally um, what, what I've experienced is that you know people will get in there and they feel lost or they feel patronized or they feel um, just even more confused so that would that would be one thing is is how are you engaged by the the staff uh, in the place and then could also really intimidate you right I mean, oh for sure yeah, yeah. yeah for sure so um, so just you know being put at ease as a, as a consumer um, and then, uh, and then making sure that you, when you leave that place, no matter how much money you've spent, whether it's 500 or $5,000, that you really feel like that bike suits the type of riding that you plan to do with it, you know? So, um, uh, and that could mean everything from being properly fit on the bike to having all the necessary accessories. And that's, I, I'm not, you know, wouldn't go crazy with that, but at least you have a helmet um, if you're going to do any kind of like long distance riding, maybe some appropriate uh, attire as well, um, padded shorts, etc. Maybe shoes. Um, but you just want to be confident because it doesn't do. I mean, it doesn't do me as a uh, as, as someone in the cycling business. Doesn't do me any good if you come in and spend a whole bunch of money with me and then you don't use the things that that you know we agreed you were going to uh, to, to need. You know? And for the so. outfit, not everybody looks good in Lycra. No, as no, a, but a... uh, but but I, I do my best to make sure that. <laughs> It, it, feel, it feels make so it look nice. As good as it feels like, <laughs> Tim, what about you? If you went into a bike shop, what would you what would you look for? Uh, well, um, now you have an interesting conversation. They'll say, "Well, you're about 150 pounds." Say, "Yes, actually, but think of it as uh, 750." Mm-hmm. As I'll be carrying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of stuff behind me here. Um, well, when I, I I really enjoy bikes, so I I'm looking at it and I'm going, "Oh, this one has disc brakes, or this one has." A, and I look at the, all the components and stuff like that. But um, I would just like to interject uh, with Wes here is that, um, you know, most of us go into a bike shop and we're basically shopping for something off the rack. Whereas Wes here is a tailor. And ah, he'll come that's in, a good way to put it. Yeah, he'll come in and uh, tailor a, a bike for you. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's the difference, I think, in what, what you do, Wes. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pretty absolutely. much. Um, so he's the tailor of the bike industry. Well, so. <laughs> yeah. Wes, that's what you'll be called now from now on. They, uh, they, I've, been, I've been called worse. So that's, uh, <laughs> now it's the time for the, the checklist, the part of the show where we take a little break and ask you a question okay. that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with Wes, I think, on this one. I'm, okay. Wes, is there anything in the global economy or big picture politically that touches your business? Yeah, so um, in, in fact, it, it, a lot of what Tim was talking about, I think, is, is relevant to, uh, to, to my answer to this. Um, you know, s- 
the, the bicycle is a great um, econo economic enabler. Um, so whether that is in uh, Eastern Africa or that's in Eastern New Orleans, um, you put somebody on a bicycle um, and that enables them to get to work day in and day out. Uh, maybe it enables them to ride to the next village uh, 20 miles away to get um, medical treatment, things like that. Um, and there, there has been, uh, in the last probably five or six years, um, some really interesting develop, developments specifically in uh, the country of Rwanda and Africa around uh, cycling um, that, you know, post-genocide there, um, there have been uh, uh, some, some w one former professional uh, racer from the United States in particular that's gone over there and coached uh, the Rwandan national team. Um, and those guys now have parlayed that into a professional, like, world tour level uh, team um, that ha are winning big races and wearing jerseys in the Tour de France. I mean, so it really is like literally taking a child's dream from a, from a conflict-ridden country and, uh, and giving them a platform for success both economically as well as just kind of intrinsically uh, that allows them to achieve some really, really special stuff. So, yeah, for sure. Wow, that is, that's, that's amazing. And Tim, mm. um, what is unusual about the culture of your company? Well, I've never had to put a, a, a help wanted ad yeah, that's out true. there. And, you know, out of the blue, I get people saying, hey, can I work for you? And so my, my job interview is basically uh, I tell them to, uh, a job site that we're going to be doing. And I say, you know, show up. You can observe what we do. See if it's right for you. And uh, so um, we talk during the during the move and stuff like that. And we've had people that he actually just kind of pitched right in and say, look, see what I can do. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. That's their that's their job. I would think that would yeah. be a good move, wouldn't you? And then after that, they go into my rotation, basically. <laughs> and uh, so. Um, Basically, you know, what is it? Woody Allen said, you know, 90% of, of uh, life is, a is showing up. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. So, you know, if they show up for the interview, uh, that's a good song. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I heard Rita Rudner once say that uh, it's great to work for yourself, but when you call in sick, you know you're lying. So there's a, <laughs> that must be the other side of it. The, uh, hey, not, now, um, Tim, what about, uh, I'm trying to picture the cost in, in something like this, uh, around what does it cost to move a household of goods and how do you even price shop that or how do you how do you price the uh, the move well we try to make our pricing very simple it's just uh, thirty dollars per hour per person who's working and so um usually i'm the one standing around not working so you're not paying for me but every once in a while i'll step in the uh -huh. typical move is uh basically they just want to hire two people and so they do everything and um, I'll do things like get the, get the trailer ready, um, put the bungee cords on and the straps to tie things down on the load and things like that while they're doing other things. So I'll get the trailer ready and stuff. And um, so I'm basically working for free. Wow. But, well, you know, but, I have to ask uh, you, what's the longest move you've ever had? Somebody <laughs> did call and ask me if I wanted to move their stuff to Utah. Oh, and wow. I, I said, did you, you know, did you look at the business's name? You know, how much, how much money and time do you have? I had a storage unit in St. Rose, because that's where Whoa. the girl lived that I mentioned before. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I moved everything from that storage unit to another storage unit here in town hmm. using my bike. And the, the real tough part was getting up on the levee trail. I was going to say. Yeah, oh, I was, was going to say, is that how you did it? Uh, yeah, yeah. So you're not on I-10. But I was huffing and puffing getting up to the le top of the levee. 
But besides that, it was it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice view up there on the. Well, Wes and Tim, I got to ask you this final question: the uh, what is it like? Um, do you think New Orleans is a good place to be a bicyclist? Uh, I think of all the big positives and big negatives. How does it work out? I, I think I think just by sheer numbers alone of people who are riding a bike, it's a very good place. Also, I think the city is doing a, a really good job of making it uh, easier and safer to be on a bicycle in New Orleans. I know that there's complaints and everything, but what we had before and what we have now is a big difference, and I like the improvements that are being made. Tim Colglazer, Wes McWhorter. Not all of us ride a bike, but all of us in New Orleans have a relationship with cyclists, uh, whether we're wishing we could be that guy on the bike or wishing that guy on the bike would get the heck out of the way of our car. <laughs> our perspective has been changed today. You've both taught us a lot about bikes in New Orleans uh, that we didn't know 30 minutes ago. Thanks so much for taking the time and joining me for an Out to Lunch. Uh, Thanks, Peter. Thank you so much. Great meeting both of you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Tim Colglazer, co-founder and operator of Move It by Bike, and Wes McWhorter, founder, creative director, and CEO of Roulet Cycling. You can find out more about Tim and Wes's bicycle businesses by following the links on our websites. It's neworleans.com and www.no.org. The show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday, with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show is engineered by Chris Keogh. Jennifer Brady is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's new record, Puzzle, is out now. You can find out more about that at MitchellForeman.com. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. And you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. If you want to see what we look like, <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can find photos of this show on our website and Facebook page. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 128 years, and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp, Resource Management, LLC, Fidelity Bank, and 30 North Investments.